0: Welcome to the Church Intention Podcast, powered by the King's University and Gateway Church. This is a place to have healthy conversations about areas of tension
1: in the church and the intentions of the church. To dive deeper into the conversation and for more content, visit churchintention.com. Now let's join the King's University President, Dr. John Chastain, for this episode of Church Intention.
0: Hey, well, thanks so much for taking some uh, time out of your day to uh, join the Church Intention podcast where we have healthy conversations about the local church and the things that are of tension, those tension points or areas that we all just need to become better at. Uh, If you like this podcast, will you do us a favor and subscribe to it? Push that button up there on the screen. uh, Like it. Give us some stars, five stars preferably, if you don't mind. And uh, give us some comments. Put it on your social media page. Help us get the word out. Uh, to those out there doing ministry. Today I have a a really amazing uh, guest that has become a really good friend of mine and I just love his heart and what he does and what God has placed on his heart and the profession, so to speak, of what he has stepped into in ministry. And what's cool about it is he's not your typical minister, so to speak. He has an entrepreneurial background in the finance, finance sector and just had an amazing career and did very, very well and has a master's degree in nonprofit management and then God began to just do this real shift on His heart, and I want Him to talk us through that uh, about a ministry that He became involved with, and and how to reach um, a passion and a, and, a, and a burden for the for the nation of Israel. And I can't wait to to have you hear more about this because I think this is an area that a lot of pastors we know that there's something about Israel and the Jews that we should be really tied to and educated and passionate about. But we just don't know exactly what that means in a lot of ways. And that's what this is all about. And so I'm really excited to have uh, uh, Nick with us. Nick Lesmeister is an amazing man. He's been married. Uh, he's married to a, his wife's name is Tabitha. He has three kids. He lives here in the Dallas metro area. Nick, thanks for being on the show, man. We're, right. we're excited to have you. Yeah, it's an honor to be here, really. Yeah. I'm excited about it too. So I'm really Excited to to have uh, our audience listen to uh, to what burden God has put on your heart, but I really want you to start by just setting this up, man. you have a uh, a really interesting story about how this worked and how this came about, to where you literally moved to Jerusalem with your family. That's kind of a big thing to do, <laughs> yeah. man. and so walk us through that man. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Kind of set us up and tell us how this all came about well it's
1: it's a long story. I'll try to keep it brief i I grew up in a Catholic family in rural Minnesota and uh, was actually kind of tapped by my local priest to go into the seminary to be a priest. He thought I had a ministry calling on my life, interestingly. I had a calling to be married, so there was no question to me that that was ever going to (laughs) happen. First priority. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, so fast forward, I came to faith when I was 19 in in a library in Fargo, North Dakota. I actually had a vision of Jesus just by myself. Wow. And I went to an Assemblies of God Bible school shortly thereafter, and when I was there there was a ministry that catered to this large church I was a part of, and the, the speaker's name was uh, Pastor Don Finto. Uh, he pastored a church in Nashville for a long time. Michael W. Smith was at his church, and he brought this message about Israel and uh, the Jewish people, and he made a statement. This was in 2003, I think. He said, did you know that your Savior is a Jew? Hmm. And I was real zealous for the Lord at the time, and it was like when he said that, I put my pen down and raised my fist up and said, no, he's not. Wow. And as soon as that happened, I mean, in a moment's notice, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you have anti-Semitism in your heart. Wow. And I said, whoa, Lord, you know, I, I I don't hate anyone. And what happened is the Lord reminded me of an experience I had as a young boy walking down the block to my local Catholic church. And I had probably been reading a book about Anne Frank or something like that. And I lived out in the farmland of Minnesota. So I asked my dad, I said, where, what's the story with the Jewish people? You know, there weren't any Jewish people around where I was in rural Minnesota. And he said, he turned to me and he said, Catholics are the new Jews. And wow. so I didn't think anything of it because everybody that I knew was Catholic. I didn't know any Jewish people anywhere. Wow. And little did I know at the time that he was bought into a very, very bad theology that really the majority of the global churches bought into. So this all happened in a moment's notice hmm. at this church service. The next guy up on the stage in 2003, after I had this momentary experience with the Lord, was uh, uh, Pastor Wayne Wilkes, who uh, is pastor of Church and Jewish Relations here at Gateway Church and oversees me at the Gateway Center for Israel. And um, He got up and shared about the ministry that he had founded um, alongside Pastor Robert in 1996 called the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute that was training leaders— Uh, Messianic Jewish leaders to reach their people, start congregations, et cetera, in the former Soviet Union. And I was just so gripped by it because it was like a story that someone kept from me that I never knew about. And all of a sudden the Bible became new and I was reading things that I had read millions of times before it seemed like. And it was like, wait a second, there's a Jewish understanding to this. There's an everlasting nature to the promises to Israel. So I started giving money to MJBI Hmm. as a poor college student and um, really you know, to make a long story short, I ended up moving to DFW, going to Shady Grove Church, which was the predecessor that Gateway was born out of, and uh, getting to know Wayne a little bit. And then I went off into the marketplace, got a degree in economics, and um, started working for an entrepreneur, and just knew I had to keep this priority of blessing Israel, uh, especially as it related to taking the gospel to the Jewish people. And so Tabitha and I would just as newlyweds, we were giving money every month to MJBI and we kept upping it, and our business just started growing. Wow, and uh, and this put me on Wayne's radar. And as we were giving more and more to the ministry, I was probably in my late 20s, and uh, he invited me to become a advisory board member, so he and I started traveling together. Um, we ended up being in this courtyard of a Meth- Messianic Jewish congregation in Ethiopia. Wow. And uh, they were just, I was just there. It was the first time in Africa. And I actually grew up thinking I was going to be a missionary to Africa. And uh, I took a previous trip to Africa and did not enjoy it. So, <laughs> so I was like, no, that must <laughs> no, not that's be it. Missing, that's so, my call. Yeah, here I was maybe like seven or eight years later in Africa. And I'm hearing the stories of these Messianic Jews who are Jews who believe in Jesus. Um, getting persecuted by Orthodox Christians because they were claiming to be Jewish, and by the Jewish people because wow. they're claiming to be Christian, and the Lord just moved on my heart and 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 spoke to me and and called me into um, ministry to the Jewish people and a lifeline calling a lifelong calling of uh, of standing with the Jewish people that I didn't know I had no idea how that was going to unfold at the time. And um, the first thing we did is we'd been saving money for years um, to buy a piece of land and to move out on, uh, my wife and I. And the Lord said, I'm not going to give you land until these people have land because they were renting a congregation. So uh, we ended up buying the first Messianic Jewish congregational building that we know of, at least in Africa. (laughs) And, um, And that started a journey that then Wayne was approached by Pastor Robert to take over Gateway's Jewish ministry, and uh, he asked me then to take over the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute, um, and, uh, as I had sold out of my businesses, felt to just move to Israel as a Gentile to get some better equipping and, and better experience around Jewish people. And um, that was all in 2014. And, uh, so yeah, we ended up moving to Israel in the middle of a war, which was really fun to tell my, <laughs> tell my family about, you know, Hey, we're moving to the Middle East we're gonna and train for
0: the bomb raids.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, really, it was like right after we decided to go, all these rockets started flying over and, um, uh, but God confirmed it. And we ended wow. up there in the fall of 2014. And, uh, so it, it's just been a journey and just one thing led to another. And I took over MJBI for a season and now we've merged MJBI into Gateway with Gateway's global Jewish ministry that Wayne Wilkes was leading to create the Gateway Center for Israel. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of like a full circle thing where yeah. Wayne and Pastor Robert started together in the 90s and Shady Grove Church sent Wayne out um, in this Jewish ministry field. And now MJBI came back into Gateway and yeah. it's like we're seeing a new season for something new. But yeah, as a Gentile, I never would have expected you well, know to live in this world. Yeah, that's
0: what I was gonna point out. It's interesting you're a gentile. <laughs> yeah. And you, you were called to go and lead Messianic MJBI, the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute. And now you're over the Gateway Center for Israel as a as a gentile. It's amazing to think that God is using you in that way when you were completely in another realm in business, mm-hmm. right? All going back to this one pastor standing up or this one preacher standing up and saying, "You know Jesus was a Jew, right?" Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean Jesus isn't a blonde-haired, blue-eyed yeah. guy that I see on the, <laughs> you know, on the paintings on the walls. Yeah so what I want to do is I really want to break down and, and take some terms mm-hmm. that sometimes you, that we as pastors hear thrown around um, and really try to bring some life to those. Because I think sometimes, many times, pastors or any anybody for that matter, um, there's things that we know we're supposed to know, but we don't really know. Right. <laughs> and we're afraid to ask questions because, mm-hmm. you know... So I really want us to kind of hit some of those terms today and help bring clarity for a lot of pastors of why why should I why should I care? What what do I need to know about Israel and the Jewish people as it pertains to the church that I lead or the church that I'm a part of today? And you talked about this um you the comment that your dad made. Right. You know, your dad makes this comment that the the what do you say, the, the Catholics are the, new, the Jew, new Jews, yeah. The new Jew. So unpack that for a second. Like, what what does he mean by that? And yeah. and maybe there's other churches out there. And maybe give us a historical perspective. Uh, we'll just sit in the class of Nick today. Help help us understand what that means. Like, where did that start from? Where, where's the history of the church and how that
1: all came about? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. I mean, it's a fundamental starting point. the The term that my dad didn't realize uh, the theological term that he was operating under. Um, the more working definition of it is called replacement theology. The academic definition of it is called supersessionism, and it comes from the word supersede, and that comes from the idea of literally taking someone else's place. Mm -hmm. Like they were sitting in a chair, and you just took their place. Wow. And so that's really the the best way to uh, to understand it is that it's the view that the church has literally taken the place of Israel. So um, in its most raw form— it would be like going back and reading uh, the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament, and every time you see Israel or Jerusalem, you just scratch it out and write church. Yep. Because ultimately, this is what God's plan was. So there's, there's, different, there's different levels of this supersessionism, but the one that, that my story exemplifies is really probably the biggest one, which is that God was working through Israel, and His purpose and desire was to save all the nations and to save humanity— and basically Jesus comes on the scene because Israel messed up. I mean, this is kind of the, the idea that we all work under. And then Israel rejects him. Yeah. And so because they rejected him, God punished Israel and said, I'm done with you. Yeah. I'm doing something new. The Gentiles come in. So the church yeah. becomes uh, the new spiritual Israel. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it's a people group from all over the world, from every background, but it's now spiritualized. And this is This is what most uh seminaries and most pastors grow up in. It's the paint on the wall, yeah, and we don't realize that that's the case um, because it, it all these terms and, th- and ways of thinking are familiar to us until we start to scratch. And and when someone says something as provocative as your Savior is a Jew, it causes you to stop and really quickly reevaluate everything. Mm-hmm. And we believe that, uh, you know, we at Gateway and obviously at TKU, that that's an incorrect view of Scripture. Yeah. And it all goes back, ultimately, you know, why is that important? Well, ultimately, we like to say that it's because the character of God's at stake. Yeah. And if God can kind of change his mind at some point along redemptive history— and make all these promises, and then get to a certain point and say, hmm, that didn't really work right. out. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a Messianic Jewish scholar that says that replacement theology uh, turns Israel into God's ex-wife. Wow. And when you really think that's about it so like good. that, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. It's basically like God said, you know, I'm tired of I this. I made a mistake. Yeah, I'm tired of this one. I made a mistake. I'm going to have a do-over. And uh, I had a few years of experience. And, man, she just doesn't cook well and doesn't wow. treat me right, so I'm <laughs> going out and find somebody that yeah. will. That's so you know? good. And... and well what does that ultimately say about god yeah. and uh and and what does it say
0: about the the authority of scripture do you think most pastors and really lay people for that matter um if you were to really ask them the question do you think it's more indirect by ignorance than anything it's not that people are literally saying i really believe yeah. that it's replacement theology or do you think that it's just the way we talk and so we train people without knowing we're training people and we 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 talk in a manner in which unknowingly this theology kind of creeps in or do you think most people it's a blatant decision that I'm choosing this route or is it a just happens kind of inadvertently
1: yeah we we like to say it's innocent i think most pastors today especially in the modern evangelical church it's an innocent replacement theology or an ignorant you know an innocent ignorant naive replacement theology and i think we have the freedom to be able to say that today because unfortunately uh, everything that happened in the 1940s in Nazi Germany and I would say up until then, it wasn't innocent, and it was the, the the leading theology of the time because of some key errors that were made in the early first centuries of the church that were just built upon, one layer after another, and it came to a tipping point with Adolf Hitler, who yeah. ultimately did. He persecuted Jewish people yeah. on the basis of the fact that they killed Jesus, and um, and. And so then he just developed, he had this ugly anti-Semitism and and the Holocaust really did make scholars and theologians take a second look and say, this is one of the most uh, Christian countries in the world. How on earth did this happen? And when they started digging, you start to see why, because there was this stream of thought that said the Jewish people are responsible for the death of Jesus. They didn't accept him. Therefore, God's cut them off and cursed them. The church now is triumphal over Israel and um it, and it was ugly, yeah. and so i don 't think most pastors believe that today. I think yeah. we 've seen the error of that, but what we don 't realize is that the the leftover um, fumes of that theology still kind of get into our system today. So I think what you said at the beginning here is really the more um, uh, average starting point for a pastor and in fact, I remember when you and i uh, dr Chastain, were in a we' in a meeting one time recently, and we were talking about this but Uh, You made the comment that, hey, I read Israel all over in the Bible, and so it jumps out to me you know, that God seems to have something favorable towards Israel. And I think most pastors, that's where they're at. They know Israel's important to God, but they just don't know what to do about it. And the honest truth is there's a lot of unhealthy stuff out there on Israel in the church. And their mind, a pastor's mind, is going to go towards the unhealthy thing because it's the most visible, and it's the loudest, and it's the most divisive. And, um, you know, we're concerned about that, and we don't think that's that's healthy or biblical. And so I think pastors just feel paralyzed by it.
0: So I want to I talk about some—I want to circle back around. Eventually, we, we want to land the ship at uh, Center for Israel because I really want our listeners to hear the heart of what it is and see it as a resource for them to go to and educate themselves. And we'll get practical in a minute on that. But I want to talk about it. We, we did one. We talked about replacement theology and a term that people hear, but they may not know what it is. And I think you did a great job of describing that. I want to, I want to talk about a couple more that kind of stick out that many of our listeners would be like, well, why are we talking about that? I know what that is. But I want, to, I want to talk to the people that are listening that may not know. And so even, okay, let's talk about, you've, you've used this term a couple times. And this is, I would assume that all of our listeners would know, but let's just go there. You, you, we talked about this, anti-Semitism. What is anti-Semitism?
1: Yeah, anti-Semitism, essentially any action, whether it's through word or deed, that would um, persecute or lessen the Jewish people just on the basis of their Judaism. Yeah. That's it, or on, on them being Jewish. So uh, it is probably the oldest ism yeah. in the book. Wow. And uh, between us, I think it's rooted in the fact that uh, Israel is chosen by God. Yeah. I think there's a lot of spiritual forces behind that. And because uh, the enemy knows that this is God's covenant people, uh, Jesus obviously is himself a Jew, and um, so it's anti-Messiah. Yep. You know, Anti-Semitism is anti-Messiah because Jesus is Jewish. And so uh, it's, it's rearing its head, and um, it's something that our grandparents were
0: really familiar with because of the Holocaust, yep. but it's coming back around. And I think it's important to even talk about the inadvertent times that it's done. You know, you could talk about racism, and people might say, "Well, I'm not a racist," but there might be things that we do that tend to, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you are, right. and it can be the same with anti-Semitism. That even even replacement, un, even using replacement theology, unknowingly that you're legitimately doing that, you're still acting in that way, yeah. and so you can still be you can still be activating something that you don't even realize you're activating, and it's this idea of purifying our hearts and. and exposing those things in our hearts to let God. And this is what happened to you. Yeah. You were you were saying, "Oh my gosh." Right? I I think I might have some of this in my heart and you didn't even know it was there. Mm-hmm. You know. And yeah. it can be a process of walking through that. So, so okay, here's another one. What is a messianic Jew? Yeah, that that's a great question, you know, because I think that that term was really common
1: um in the uh 1960s and 70s but i i think it's it started to be starting to become a little bit harder to understand and it has some tinges to it um i don't use it that much anymore i like to say a jewish believer in jesus now uh, some people might disagree with me on that but yeah. a messianic jew is just a jew who believes in the messiah of israel jesus yeshua so uh, that would be the key differenti- differentiator between uh, just a Jewish person and and a Jew who believes in Jesus—they're Messianic. They put their hope in Israel's
0: Messiah. And there's, they have these all all over Messianic Jewish congregations. Yeah. Um, would you, if somebody's curious, if somebody's just wanting to, would you advise them to go to one, experience it? What are they going to experience when they go to a, a Messianic Jewish synagogue?
1: Well, we affirm the Messianic Jewish community in that we affirm Jews who want to live their life as Jews, even though they follow Yeshua, Jesus. Uh, we believe that the Bible actually lays out pretty clearly that there is a distinction between Jew and Gentile, just there's like there's a distinction between male and female, yeah. and that that wasn't done away with in Jesus, uh, contrary to some misunderstandings that people believe about what Paul said about that. And so uh, we at Gateway affirm Jewish identity um, wholly. And what we mean by that is we believe that God called Israel and he created a people group to himself to be distinctive and that he put some parameters around what life looks like. And so therefore, we believe that even when you come to faith in Jesus, it's important to live within that system. It's important for all of us to be a part of our people. I mean, uh, you know, we as modern Americans, it's a little bit more mixed, but uh, that's a part of identity. And for us, you have to know your identity because I think it ties into what God's destiny is for you. And we believe that the Messianic Jewish community um, is one that the church has to affirm because they are a witness to the Jewish people. Just We can be witness to the Jewish people um, through our sincere love, I believe, as Gentiles. But there has to be a community that can be a light and say, you can live Jewish completely as a follower of Jesus. And yeah, there's Messianic Jews everywhere. I mean, I, the, the, the statistics on that vary, um, but in America, there's probably two, 300,000 Messianic Jews uh, in mm-hmm. Messianic congregations, but there's probably another 700,000 Jewish believers in church. And what I mean by that is just if they have a Jewish parent or a Jewish grandparent. Yeah. And then in the land of Israel, um, there's about 20,000 uh, Messianic Jews there. And that's growing. I mean, that's up from like, Sixty when the state was founded seventy two years ago, so it's 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 a modern phenomenon, and really we believe it's a resurrection. It's kind of an end times resurrection because the first century, you know, all the followers of Jesus were Jewish. They were all messianic Jews, right? And uh, that's the, right. the father that's, that's important to know. Yeah, I the, mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, you know, it, you open the book, uh, the New Testament, and it's all Jewish people, and it's a Jewish story. And it really isn't until Acts chapter 10 that we see a large amount of Gentiles coming into the kingdom and, um, into the Commonwealth of Israel. So, um, it, it, it's something I think God's doing in this day and age. And I think we as pastors and leaders need to be aware of it because it is a prophetic sign of of revival on the earth. And, um, and it's all connected to what Paul lays out in Romans 11 and, and all Israel being saved and, uh, you know, the nation's coming into revival. So, um, I would definitely encourage pastors to just try to find a Messianic community or you know, or a Messianic congregation in their community and just take the Messianic leader, rabbi, pastor, whatever they call themselves, out to lunch, get to know them. Yeah. It's important to hear their story because they have been walking on this very marginalized line most of their life where they're rejected by the Jewish yes. community for following Jesus, but
0: they're also kind of rejected by the church for wanting to continue to live as Jews. Wow, that's so true. So, I, so... How give perspective to our listeners on how to approach, not even necessarily a Messianic Jew, but a Jewish person. Like What what would be some of your recommendations? Because what I want to do is I want to kind of look at it from both angles, the Christian's view of the Jews, mm-hmm. and then I would like for you to even talk about the, the Jews' perspective of Christians. And it might give us some perspective there.
1: Yeah, I think the Jewish percep- perception of Christians is starting to change because the state of Israel is giving us this opportunity where— Evangelical Christians are are some of Israel's loudest supporters and uh I think that there's a really great dialogue happening between Jews and Christians about what it looks like to be uniquely linked um through the God of Israel even though Jews disagree that uh, that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's they would they would say he's a false god. And so but I think for the average Christian it's important to understand um how to interact with the Jewish person. And the the best way that we encourage people is just love them, you know, and um, be aware that they've been through a lot and uh, they are connected together and that you think about the Holocaust and you talk to almost any Jewish person and they grew up in a house where the only thing that Jewish people <laughs> agree on, they disagree on everything. You know, there's this old phrase, if you got, you know, one Jew and two opinions and and the only thing the Jewish community around the world just unanimously agrees on is that you cannot believe in Jesus and be Jewish because they have all been brought up, especially after the Holocaust with the idea that Jesus and his followers were Jewish persecutors and the new Testament is a handbook on how to persecute Jews. Wow. And this is just the history we would have to live with because... It, and it doesn't start with the Holocaust. It goes all the way back to the first century the church, yeah. where there was just anti-Jewish statements, anti-Jewish decisions made one after another, and all through many fathers of the church who were wonderful people, but they were just wrong on this. Yeah. And it continues today. There's modern theologians today that are wrong on this, but and they're right on a lot of other things. And so... There's a lot of repentance, I think, and humility that we have to take um, a posture of as church leaders and um, to build that friendship, you know, and to show there's a lot of sincerity. So this is kind of our working vision statement for the Gateway Center for Israel is we want to inspire the church to a biblical and sincere love for Israel and the Jewish people. And uh, unfortunately... A lot of the church views the Jewish people as a means to an end, mm. where let's get all Israel saved, then Jesus will come back, the end times will you know will strike all these chords and set off an end times event. We don't look at it that way. We believe that that loving the Jewish people is itself the end. Wow. you know, there's no means to it. It's because not a formula. It's not right. a formula, right. and I mean God. God, it's the Scripture is full of of a demonstration of His love for Israel, mm. and so we love God. We want to love the things He loves, and He placed Israel as a special possession unto Himself, and so we believe loving the Jewish people is is itself the goal, and the uh, the best way to do that is to couple that with the good news yeah. that Paul talks about in Romans ten and that's that's actually referenced in Isaiah 52 that this is good news that the God of Israel reigns and that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel who you know uh forgives all your sins and you can put your hope
0: in him so talk about the the term and if you're not familiar with if you haven't been exposed to the the gateway world so to speak you may may not have heard this term before but one thing pastor Robert and the leadership of Gateway Church pride themselves in. There's this thing that's continually said as to the Jew first. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a part of the vernacular and it's a part of the core, so to speak, core values of the church from the early days and maybe even preceding Pastor Robert, even even into Pastor Olin and Shady Grove days. But what does that mean? Like, what does the heart of to the Jew first mean for the local church?
1: Yeah, it did come from the Shady Grove days um, and it's based out of Romans one sixteen, And this kind of goes back to our early earlier conversation about replacement theology and how it's just sort of in the soil that we all grow up in, is that we all know Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And then we stop. Yeah. But the rest of the verse says, to the Jew first wow. and then to the Gentiles or yep. then to the nations. Yep. And so uh, th- that that is even a kind of a what? Wait, what? Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> Second <laughs> what place. What is that? What's that supposed to mean? I thought it ended at, you know, verse 16a. And what we believe in that is that there's a priority. There's a priority in the heart of God. And then, as you begin to unpack that and look at it in the New Testament, you see Paul went first to the synagogue. Yes, he was called to the Gentiles, wow. but if you look That's at really his first good. missionary journeys, he went to the synagogue. Always went to the synagogue. He'd get kicked out. He'd go back to the synagogue. He got kicked out again. He went to the synagogue leader's house. Mm. You just see this as a priority. Jesus comes and he says things like, "I have not come. I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel." And so you see this priority in God's heart, because I believe he knows that, that as Israel knows him and comes into relationship with the God of Israel through Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, it touches all the nations. And, and that goes back to Ezekiel 36, where there's this prophetic um, scripture about that. And so that's what we mean when we say to the Jew first, is that we're making a priority intentionally, intentionally on putting Israel and the Jewish people in a place of priority for us as a church by taking the gospel to them first, by blessing Israel. And even at Gateway, we we, we go down to the first service of every month is a uh, Messianic Jewish service on a Friday night where we have a typical service, but it's a, it's a place for the Jewish believers in the church to come and have fellowship. And so uh, we're intentional about it. And our desire is to see other churches become intentional about it too.
0: And I know Pastor Robert has said— um several times even in in the front of of the blessed life book he he really points to that in his viewpoint as being one of the reasons that gateway's blessed financially that it's even tying the to the jew first and they you know even in in what the church tithes into ministry that uh, that the first check that they ever wrote even in those early days of m j b i the first check that was written went to to that first because it was this to the jew first so um even Talk about that a little bit, even this idea of maybe to the local church out there, the local pastor, maybe they need to make this a priority. Maybe this is something that God would begin to stir on their heart, to even begin to pour into to giving into a, a, a Jewish, a Messianic Jewish uh, ministry in, in some way.
1: Yeah, that, I, it goes back to Genesis 12, 3, when God calls Abram and yeah. he says, I'll bless you and I will bless those, those who bless, who bless you. you. And you see this repeated all throughout scripture that when when... That friends from the nation bless the Jewish people, that God puts a blessing on them. Well, yes. why? Because they're attaching themselves to what God's doing on the earth. They're saying, I want to be a part of what God's doing, and I want to bless the work that God's doing. And um, that's how Pastor Robert and the elders feel about this, is to say, mm-hmm. we want to be a part of what matters to God, and we want to make a priority out of the things that is a pr- our priorities to God. And so, um, yeah, the first thing that that they decided to do was to actually put their money in, which is typically one of the hardest things to put Absolutely. in first, you know? And um, it's true. I mean, I can attest to it in my own life. When when I, when I first started giving to MJBI, it was like five, 10 bucks a month. And the Lord took Tabitha and I on a really wild journey and really blessed us to where, you know, we were giving $1,000 a month at some point. And it, I totally, totally believe that it was because we continued to make wow. it a priority to financially bless ministry to the Jewish people, because it's at the center of God's heart. It's at his heart. You know, this is his, as Pastor Robert tells it, you know, this is his original family, and the kids have left home um, because the adopted kids moved in, and they got jealous of them, yep. you know, and we're the adopted kids, us that's from right. the nations. And so Pastor Robert tells the story that, you know, that's why God blessed Gateway Church so much, because one day Pastor Robert, as an adopted son, came up to the father of the house and said, I want to go out and get your original children back. And, the, wow. and he says, you know, the the father, this case, God, the father opened up his wallet and said, how much do you need? Wow, And you know, it's really been like that ever since.
0: Wow. So let's talk practically to the pastors out there, whether they're lead pastors, maybe they're not a lead pastor. Maybe they're just pastoring. Maybe they're not a pastor at all. Maybe they're just involved with an organization, but what are some, let's talk to the pastor first. What are some really practical things? Let's say there's a pastor out there that's uh, even this podcast is a moment for them, like you having this this revelation from the Lord that, oh my gosh, this needs to become a priority for me and my ministry. What are some really, even baby steps that a, the p- a pastor may not be able to write a massive check to, to an organization, but what are some things they can begin to do to cultivate this in their own congregations?
1: Yeah, I think for a pastor, the very first place that all of us can start is by praying. And Pastor Robert, again, has another story about this. He was reading Psalm one twenty two six one one morning. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, and he says, you know, so I did. I started to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I started to pray for the Jewish people. And as I did, I got a burden. Hmm. And because yeah. I think when you pray for something, you you give it value. And, and you say, this matters. And it does something in our heart. And we do believe you have to have some kind of a heart-based revelation to really engage in this. Um, you have to have a healthy theology about it. you got to get the mind part of it right, absolutely. But then you have to have something done in your heart, and prayer moves that. And then um, we feel that the third thing is you gotta, there's got to be an active response. You can't just sit on that and say, oh, what a great revelation, but we actually have to do something about yeah. it. Um, you can you know, engage with a—see if there's anybody. Uh, a local Messianic Jewish congregation is a great way to start. Um, yeah, giving financially to some trusted Messianic Jewish ministries, and we're available at the Gateway Center for Israel to help guide in any of that. Um, taking a trip to Israel is a huge yes, piece of that.
0: It changed my life. Yeah, yeah, you know about it firsthand. It changes your life. It does. It, in, in, in every pastor on the planet needs to go to Israel. Yeah, it is. It is one of those life-altering. I've heard a lot of people say it, and I didn't believe it till I get till I got there. Many people told me when they got to Israel and they stepped off the plane, there's this sensation in your heart like I'm home yeah, to a place I've never been before, but it's like you're back at the roots of everything at your core. And so I think that's critical. And one thing, there's there may be some of our listeners that can just not afford yeah. to, to go to Israel. It's just not nowhere on their radar. Their church can't afford to send them. They can't afford to send themselves. So talk about this partnership. Is Something really cool is about to happen between the King's University and the Gateway Center for Israel. We're partnering to to launch something on the university's Church Ed platform. You can go to churched.com or you can go to com. But we're partnering to do an Israel experience completely virtual. So t- talk about that. Well, that, that's the heart of it
1: is we realize that it's expensive. And um, honestly, it's hard for a pastor to break away for 10, 12 days to go to Israel. And it's true. You mentioned it. People told me all the time the same thing: You need to go to Israel. You need to go to Israel. And it was like, Yeah, okay. I also need to go on vacation, you yeah. know, to, <laughs> you know, to Colorado. I mean, exactly. Um, and but then you go and you think, I would, I should have done this 15 years ago. Yeah. And so we want to give a taste of that. And so yeah, we're, you know, you're going to be with us. We're going to go in a month, and we're going to do high quality video of our kind of unique um, tour through the land of Israel, which isn't just stopping at sites and pointing out rocks and talking about Bible events that happened there. The great thing about the way that, that we're able to do this uh, with Dr. Wayne Wilkes and Pastor Olin, um, you know, Pastor Robert's spiritual father, is we're tying it all together, yes. and we want to show people that there's a past, present, and future role for Israel and the Jewish people, and that, that we as, as members of the church are connected to that. Yeah. And so um, we're going to go through and film a whole course called The Land of Israel, and we're going to, think, stop about 26 different places and capture this footage in an immersive video way that hopefully people can go through it then and get a taste for it. And if they can't ever get there, then at least they got to hear some of this, get a taste for it. But I think it'll wet everybody's whistle. And yeah, with,
0: with drones, with, I mean, top quality production, we have 360 degree cameras, uh, drones, the whole, the whole bit. And so... At the timing of this taping. So we're going to Israel, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we're going to do all this footage shooting late, late February. Right. And uh hopefully we'll be able to release this, roll this thing out mid, mid 2020, maybe fall 2020 at the worst. So depending on when you're listening to this, be on the lookout for that. You can go to churched.com or you can go to Center for Israel. So so let's let's finish by talking about this about Center for Israel. For me, all things point back to Center for Israel uh as a one-stop shop. If you're a pastor, you're curious, you need to get more resources, uh, you want to learn more, you want to connect with 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 uh Nick or the Center for Israel, uh, it's centerforisrael.com is the website, and you need to go there and check this out. And I would also urge you to consider giving to it if you're saying, okay, I want I want to adopt this whole to the Jew first, uh, and and you need a place to sow a seed into fertile soil to do so. And you're like, well, I don't know any good Uh, messianic jewish organizations out there who do i give to center for israel would be a very healthy safe place to sow your seed for your church to to begin this root system of of to the jew first anything else you want to talk about center for israel um, directing them there any other resources websites Social media, whatever.
1: Yeah, that's it. No, start at centerforisrael.com. Uh, we want to come alongside you if you're a church leader or a pastor and just help you to understand this. It's taken us years to really unpack all of this. And we've got the tools, thanks to TKU, um, to be able to do that from an academic point of view. But then also, we've got 20 years now as a church yeah. of, of just knowing how does this actually work in a church culture. And we're not the unique thing about what we're trying to do is we don't want to make your church Jewish. Um, right. That's, right. That's a key point. You know, yeah. if you're listening to this, we don't want you to become Jewish. I am still a bacon eating <laughs> Gentile. Be a Gentile. I'm a Gentile, man. And uh, we believe in equality with distinction, just like yeah. male and female, and that God created this with a distinction. And so uh, we don't want it to be weird either. There's yeah. just a lot of weird stuff out there. I yeah. mean, I'd say, I'm probably getting in trouble for saying this, but I think most <laughs> of it's weird. Yeah. And it's not weird. You know, right. anything that God's doing is never weird. Yeah. And so uh, we just want to help you figure out how to navigate through that. So good. We believe we've got a healthy model and, and um, you know, we don't think we're right but, about everything, but I think we've got some things that that really are, you know, birthed out of humility and out of a lot of prayer and a lot of years of walking down this road and a lot of really key relationships. So um, centerforisrael.com, definitely reach out to us. We want to get to know you and, and help you out on this journey and uh, be a tool because we really do believe that a church that engages with Israel and the Jewish people just will never be the same. There's... There's yeah. a financial blessing. Yeah. Pastor Robert can attest to that. But there's a dynamic spiritual blessing that comes upon this. Yeah. It's just hard to put words on it. I mean, you know, going to Israel and reading the Bible from a Jewish perspective, it just totally life-changing. And that's, that's really what this is. It's a journey of understanding yeah. the character and nature of God, and uh, you can't put a
0: value on it. Yeah, it makes you a better pastor. Yeah. It will flat out make you a better pastor. So, Nick, thanks so much for being on today. Thank you for answering the call. You you could have been out making a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sometimes so I think about you. that. <laughs> so, th- no, seriously. You know, although you're picking up a mantle, you mm-hmm. know that that some of your predecessors um, started. Thank you for answering the call and being obedient and believing God's going to bless it and and do some amazing things. So thank you for the listener. Love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in today and uh, continue to plow, continue to do your work, pastors uh, and lay people. You guys are awesome. Can't wait to see you at our next episode. Have an amazing week. Love you a lot. Thank you for listening to the Church Intention Podcast. For more information, visit churchintention.com. The King's University is an accredited, spirit-empowered,
1: evangelical university in Southlake, Texas. To learn more, visit TKU.edu.